When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today's guest is a sommelier of Lady Pop, an amazing musical theater composer and handsome to boot. Please welcome to the mic, Joey Contreras. I love that. That caught me off guard. Sommelier of, of what'd you say? Lady Pop. Lady Pop. Yes. Hi. How are you, babe? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Hi, you know, I'm having a New Tell York day. I'm having a New York day. I'm here. I'm there. I'm late. I'm a little bit sweaty, but it's totally cool because we live in New York. Yes, yes, definitely. New York loves to just give you a lot to do. A lot times. of yeah, a lot of options. Too many options, and a lot of obligations that I don't think I'm ever going to meet. <laughs> You know, she'll sprinkle them in and be like, try this, but maybe we won't finish every single assignment, you know? Uh Very that. It's also like, huh, I have a pretty light week, except for Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, oh, nothing's ever evenly baked throughout my life. It's very like, Monday, Tuesday might be nothing, but Thursday, you're going to just be up from six to six, running around. Are, Are we supposed to say that this is Thursday? Is this Thursday? Today's, Today's Wednesday. Wednesday. Damn. See, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can play along, but just in case <laughs> that screws up the rest of your day. Don't want you thinking that you have, you're looking at your Thursday calendar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so, Joey, where yes. did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Yes. Take me back. It, it began in California, Ooh. and my mom was singing Paula Abdul Okay, with my dad. <laughs> with your dad? A duet? Yeah, they had a cover band, and they'd play at bars, and they, but they were doing, like, Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson. Um, Paula Abdul is, like, the, the one that I always go back to, though, because after I was popped out, um, I was then plugged into the, to the, to the routine, I guess. Oh, okay. The, I was singing cold hearted snake. I don't know who is listening to this, knowing those songs, but, um, cold hearted snake, um, and straight up, you know, Paula, mm-hmm. Paula yeah. classics. And I would be up there at the tambourine singing it with my mom. So I was part of the act. <laughs> right That's away. so fun. Yeah. Very, very family band. Yeah. And then, and it was like a proper cover, like a proper garage band for my parents. Like they had um, day jobs, but they like in the garage were had rehearsals and I was, yeah, 
that's what I got to see at a young age. I love that your first intro to music was like straight up. Now tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Oh, 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 yeah. Which is a great <laughs> pop hook. It's iconic. And honestly, I I saw Paul Abdul in concert uh, when I was, I don't know, maybe three or four years old. And I don't know how my mom pulled this. This gate, I think this spoiled me. Somehow she knew one of the backup dancers. I don't know how this happened. I might, I might be rewriting history, but you know, this is now, this is what I'm going to write in the memoir regardless. Exactly. Pretty much how I'm like, I don't know what Britney's memoir is going to be like when she's like, I don't know if it, how much of it's going to be true or not, but it is her truth now. So, yes, um, <laughs> that. so that's how I am right now with this story. Uh, but yeah, we like met met a backup dancer afterwards and or maybe it was right before and ever since then i just i figured that i should always be able to to be close to the to the pop stars and the acts and everything like i always feel like i should be able to like be backstage in any pop show yeah you <laughs> it gotta just walk makes with sense. confidence you just walk with confidence and you can go anywhere yeah yeah so that was kind of the beginning of many many things <laughs> do you have any siblings that's a complicated question um, only because, uh, no, I'm on my dad's side is the Mexican side and he had a marriage previous to my mom. So he had a couple kids going into that and then got divorced, met my mom. So I have three older half siblings and then who were sort of up, who are like maybe 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, who were a little bit more or less a part of of my life when I was younger, when my parents were together, and then my parents got divorced. Uh, and then my mom had another remarried, and I have another younger half brother. Oh, all right. So I'm the only like uh, full full. I'm 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 I have no full blooded anything. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Were your older half-siblings influencing any of your music or no? You know, I, my one, (laughs) uh, my older half-sister, Natalie, she, uh, she's an artist. She was an artist and she is still an artist and musically, no, like we're, her tastes are like so far opposite. Like she's the kind of person who would want to go to like a Metallica cover band Mm -hmm. and when we went to a this is like recent like recently we were like we drove to like a an Orange County like festival fest or whatever fair and I had to like plead and and like bargain with her about when I could listen to a Britney song otherwise she was in full control of the playlist and it was like I was given one Britney song. I think I was given one Britney song for the entire like two hour drive. That's a lot of pressure. Which is pretty rude. But she also, fun fact about her is that she, um, now she's, she does um, set locating and and set design for uh, TV shows. Um, But about 10 ish, well, in 2008, she um, worked on the Britney Womanizer music video. And that was pretty sick. That was pretty cool. So she was like sneaking me like little clips and stuff on like my little Nokia phone when like one kilobyte photos. <laughs> yeah. Very that with the, I loved my sidekick. That was very like. 
sidekick friendly. Yeah. Oh, it was an LG chocolate phone. That's what it was mm. that I had. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, that's that. That's with my older half sister. And then my older half brother, Andy Jr., he actually, fun fact about him is that he grew up with Green Day. Like actually, like the green, the because Green Day's from um, Northern California, the East Bay, and so like Billy Joe Armstrong, like they they were like friends in like high school, and uh, so my older half brother would would play music and stuff, and so there was a little bit of that influence. But honestly, like no, I'm I'm my pop my pop's stuff all came from like me and my my mom basically, um, and then I forced my my younger brother Sean to listen to anything Britney. And I don't think he always appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you choose just one Britney song? I don't know. And somehow we landed, I don't know how we ended up on, I think it was like Lucky. I don't know how we ended up on Lucky. Like story that, song. <laughs> I guess. I was like, I don't, this is not, not like a gateway Britney song for people. So <laughs> who knows? Like, who I don't, knows? there's no, there's no Venn diagram for like, this has a little bit of Metallica in it. So I yeah. think you'll like it. There's not that like, I love rock and roll. Maybe would be that. Maybe, maybe stronger. Mm. Stronger is a good one. She has a lot of, um, she has a lot of unreleased songs and B sides that explore her like rockier side. Like Britney's actually a very quirky pop artist and that, but none of that's really, known in the mainstream or in the general public like a lot of her b-sides and her unreleased songs are pretty wacky wacky and rock a little more rocky wacky and rocky wacky and rocky a britney spears Mm. memoir yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that has multiple meanings (laughs) yeah so when did you start doing theater young um i was uh started tap dancing when i was four years old and uh, my mom lied about my age to get me um, an appointment for the Music Man, um, and I got the role. Uh, they, they, I think the age limit was six and up, and I was four years old. And she was like, "Yeah, he's six. Uh, and you were the Music and, Man, and I was in it. I, I booked the job, and um, <laughs> yeah, uh, played Winthrop, and then I ended up playing Winthrop. F- f- like in four other community theater productions. So I, I had that role down for a while and a permanent lisp for a while. <laughs> said, I'm going to commit. I am method at four. Yeah. And like something about like, I wish in the future, I wish in my life had, had lent itself to me being able to play Tommy, Tommy Gilles like later on in life. Mm. And so that then I could play Harold Hill later and like complete the, the whole story. Unfortunately, that that's doesn't. I'm not on track for that. <laughs> yeah, my my version of that is um, booking Bach and then just aging through to the Wizard, and then that's it. Like I don't really have aspirations outside of Wicked. Like I don't really need anything else besides a government job on Broadway. So that's my goal. The way I want that for you so hard. Thank like, you. I want that. I want I that for you. Great. Makes sense. They'd yeah, write makes articles sense. about me. They'd be like, "This old man has been here for forever." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Then they dim the lights. Yeah. When you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they don't, and then everyone gets mad on Twitter. Those are my fave. When like people are like, "How dare you not dim the lights for someone?" I have to Google. I know. I know. Um, I appreciate people's passion, though. It's yeah. I appreciate appreciate people's passion. Passion is a good word for it, for sure. <laughs> 
So you get the bug. You're doing Music Man all over the California circuit. Mm-hmm. Are you winning awards? I'm not winning awards. I am getting my photo in local newspapers, though. Ooh, so a little brush with fame. A little, yeah. I I was planting the seeds for child stardom. And, and that was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I ultimately, you know, I was doing competitive tap dancing with a dance studio. And I was also doing a lot of community theater because uh, where I grew up, there was, a, there was a rich community theater scene. And then I ended up going to a boarding high school. Um, but right before I did that, I was doing like eight shows a week at uh, ACT in San Francisco. Huh? And so that was like really where I was starting to like pick up this, the the steam for like, okay, like I'm Drew Barrymore now. Absolutely. Um, you already had a list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I was like on uh, independent study. I, was only going to school once a one day a week. My other my friend in, in uh who would in the dance studio also didn't want to go to school anymore. So he was also an independent <laughs> study. And we would just spend our time um going doing that classwork, doing dance and writing music. And he also was sort of like uh the guy who like corrupted me a little bit. He would he was a little cooler than me and um introduced me to like porn and nice <laughs> and things meanwhile i was like using his internet to find screenshots of justin timberlake and tearing up my heart music video and printing them so i could just have them <laughs> that's amazing yeah. that your parents were like down for you doing this alternative school path it is kind of crazy yeah i i was always uh, my mom was really just so supportive and just really allowed me so many opportunities to just follow whatever I wanted to do when it especially when it came to um, music and theater and dance and performing and writing and songwriting and all that and I think it's because she was you know a, a musician herself and my dad was also my dad was also a musician and mm-hmm. so you know he was also understood it um but yeah and it is kind of it is kind of crazy though that that I just sort of was like oh cool I'm I'm now doing this you know and then went to boarding school. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I like had a hard enough time going to college, uh, let alone being like in high school and being like deuces and going to boarding were school. You, were you like, uh, what? Because it just is like it, like like adapting to that was it like culture shock. Were you? What was your kind yeah. of journey through music and theater? Yeah, it was like so. My high school is, I didn't really start doing theater until high school. And I will say for all of the like faults that that director had, and there were a lot of them, um, it definitely was like the most competitive theater environment I've ever been in. So it kind of set me up. I felt like I was fulfilled there. I didn't really feel like I had to like go anywhere else to do it. And then I was ready to go to college and I wanted to continue studying theater and I grew up in Oregon and I was like, there's no programs here that are going to like do anything for me. Um, So I applied to schools out of state. And then when I realized how far 
Illinois is from Oregon, like when my parents were going to drop me off, I was like, hold up, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and like full panicked. And then by like day four, I was fine. Like I, I am good at adapting to new places. It's just like the like in between section where it's like saying goodbye or whatever. I'm very sentimental and still get like emotional, like leaving. Oh, yeah. I like that though. That's sweet. It's probably nice. But like, even when I go from Oregon to New York recently, it's like a little less, but it's very like my whole family lives in Oregon. So I know that I am inevitably missing things by being out here. Yeah. Kind of You're close with your family. Yeah. 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 They're good people. Um, When I was in, yeah, I think what's so boarding school was was definitely crazy because i was 14 years old and i was like in a dorm and and you suddenly feel like you're uh in college but you're not you're still 14 and uh, i had an incredible time overall like i i really appreciated i really loved it and i appreciated it and i was so grateful for it um but the first year was definitely tough because i was um living in a dorm room with another guy and you know 14 year old boys can be uh, tough and then I was you know hanging I was like very much the queer kid um and it was a small school like I I literally think I'm the only I was the only gay boy in my class but that was out of 60 kids and it was an um, art school no it wasn't an art school oh, okay. it was like a it was a college prep school um and I had gotten in because I was part of this program called A Better Chance, which helped kids with color get um, get like scholarships. Mm-hmm. Not kids with color, kids of color. <laughs> kids like, with like color. It. Kids with color. <laughs> and uh, and so I had done like SSATs and did a bunch of tests and everything and was applying to some other kind of artsy schools nearby. But there wasn't really that many artsy schools. And then Kate school in Santa Barbara just out of nowhere we're like oh well we were giving your test scores and we want to um um admit you and uh and you're you'll get a huge scholarship and I was like okay and then they flew us down and we checked it out and it was gorgeous Santa Barbara's gorgeous and uh yeah but it it was definitely a a journey especially the first year because I just was like gay and boys were were being boys and there were a lot of pranks and stuff like that and I felt a little like you know I was figuring myself out and everything so um but overall it was it was pretty pretty awesome and then by college it was like oh I'm used to being away from home and the only thing that was like weird was when I would like walk down I was in went to college in Philly and every time I would like see like a, a I think it was like a Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper I'd like oh wow I'm in Philly, I'm in Philly. that's cool <laughs> cool yeah Yeah, i i distinctly remember like full-on junior year of college going to school in illinois looking at a map and being like wait this is way farther east than i thought because i was like (laughs) midwest i was like okay it's in the middle and it's like more east it's more mid-east yeah like where the fuck am i (laughs) i'm awful with geography too like i i honestly I literally go and look at the map every once in a while just to like test myself to see if I've remembered anything about Continu- where yeah, the states are. Education for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has a master's and he doesn't know where um, Nebraska is. I actually do know where Nebraska is because I dated a boy from Nebraska. But um, 
that's the only reason. I only know yeah. where boys, where states are based off if I've dated a boy that lived there. I think that's a solid plan for life. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any, I don't have any notes on that. I think that's a good way to live. <laughs> yeah. So when did you start writing? Um, honestly, pretty young, uh, around 13 years old, I was in independent study with, uh, my friend Jonathan and he was a really great guitar player and we just started writing songs. And then when I went to boarding school, that broke up our band, which, you know, um, it sure was crushing for both of us. And, uh, I ended up writing a lot of music, uh, at school right away, just a little journal, like literally journals and journals of, of songs. There was a piano, like a little piano room there um, that I would write in. And then when I would go back home, because my parents were musicians, I had a lot of studio equipment and access to things. So I would just, I would be playing around with um, loops and would be doing like some very preliminary production stuff and writing pop songs. And I wanted to be like a male Britney Spears. I was like writing full on pop songs building dance breaks, choreographing those in my living room and uh, imagining my VMA performances, all of that. And talking about topics that I really should not have been talking about at 14, 15 years old. Like my, my mom had to deal with me being like talking about like, (laughs) like putting was like putting my lips there and like stuff like that lyrics that were like very very like sexual um and she was like yay good for you (laughs) I always think about that when we're like applauding a very very young pop star it's usually a young female pop star and I'm like yeah how does Billie Eilish's mom feel about bad guy like the first time you hear it because when it's like when you're like oh this is huge pop star Billie Eilish you're like incredible for every Billie Eilish there's a million kids that are writing the same things in their room and you're just like okay yeah cool yeah I know I I don't know what I don't know if I have like a necessarily like a a deep solution or answer or or poignant thought about it other than that it's just I think that's why kids connect to what they connect to because ultimately they're like yeah same you know yeah absolutely well one of my favorite things about your writing is its marriage of pop sensibility into storytelling into musical theater a lot of the times and I remember the first time I heard anything of yours was let me let me not while I was in like Ohio in a some summer stock something something and it was like Oh, this is what this is what I like. This is this is musical theater in the way that I envision it going forward and moving forward. And um, I'm just kind of interested how you started like putting those two worlds together. I, I honestly, I have written so many songs that I think it just was another it just kept evolving mm-hmm. ultimately i i i'm trying to think about like where my headspace was at i, I was in college at university of the arts and so that was sort of just 
in that that was sort of what I was absorbing was a lot of that. I was absorbing a lot of musical theater, but I, 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 to be honest, I just was like writing what I liked. I was just writing what I writing what I liked and writing my life out. Um, a lot of those songs, especially on the first out, al- the first two albums, were just what I was going through, and it was very Taylor Swift esque, and because at the same time I was surrounded by so much musical theater, I think it couldn't help but be very conversational and story and storytelling forward at the same time, which also, you know, Taylor Swift's music is very conversational and storytelling forward. So um, I think it was partly my taste, partly my environment and then, and then my life. And and then it wasn't until I started kind of sharing it with more of my actor friends and placing my songs on them did I s- sort of carve out this niche genre spot for myself, you know? Yeah. Is it... Um... That's like a weird question. I was like, how... When do you start to feel removed from it being like, this is a vulnerable story of mine? into this is a piece of art that I've created that can be interpreted. Yeah. That's a thing that I experience more and more when I teach uh, master classes with people now, and when I'm working on my material with performers, it's a little odd to be, you know, cause now it's, it's not so much a, a song that is of my, like the, the libretto of my life, but now is sort of like the libretto of something else, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, and it, it exists outside of me. And so now we have to talk about um, the beats and the subtext and the breaking down of this as a, as a acting piece versus just, um, well, I was in this, um, this experience with somebody and, you know, just kind of sharing what it was about for me. And I think that's been a really exciting journey for me to just continue to to see what people connect to inside my music stuff that a lot of my earlier stuff, I was um, writing stuff with not knowing what I was doing so much. Um, and now I write with a lot more of uh, intention and awareness of what I'm doing and what an actor can do with it. Um, but, but it is weird to at times go back and be, and and remember, Oh yeah, this is something that happened in my life because after a while it starts to feel like it didn't happen in my life. It starts to feel like, Oh, this is just a song that exists. And then when I get into a little nostalgia warp, I, I'm like, Oh wow, these are, and that's kind of what Building in Pieces has done for me because that show is, you know, taking all the songs from my catalog and then adding more songs to support this this story. But In Pieces, in a way, is is almost like uh, the coming of age of, of, of my life. Yeah. It's spread like, out, spread out in various characters. It's like how um, Taylor Swift on the Reputation World Tour talks about all too well and how that song has two meanings in her life where it was like a very cathartic very i'm just writing exactly what happened moment 
to oh my god wow fans really love it i guess this is like not mine anymore it's yours and like it makes it easier for me to revisit so i'm not like revisiting trauma but it it creating art means that you're creating something that eventually grows beyond you and seeing things do that must be cool yeah it it lives two lives now it, there is the life that it was born out of and then there's the life that it's created and I, yeah, I love watching like Casey Musgraves and Adele and Taylor be artists who explore that conversation because I think all three of them have written music that are very much aligned to certain chapters of their lives, but are become big hits and they have, they have to sing them, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but now they mean something else. And, you know, I feel like I, my name really belongs to be in the same conversation as those three writers, clearly. I would agree. I mean, and since you were a youth, you've known this since you walked backstage at Paul Abdul. Exactly, exactly. Which I think is an incredible segue to the yes. question of the podcast, which is, Joey Contreras, why are you like this? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think I'm like this because of TRL, to be honest. Fierce. Let's do it. <laughs> I just, TRL was so formative for me. And that time of MTV was just so much a part of my growing up. Mm-hmm. And I feel grateful for it. Yeah. I feel, I feel visually, musically, I, forever think of things in TRL, MTV, VMA, that um, period of time, that 2000s period of time um, is what is the lens that I look through life. It's a great lens. It shaped everything. I mean, there wasn't like, there weren't a lot of avenues to get information on what is cool or what is happening in music right now, or, you know, like what is style we didn't have social media, so what did we have? We had, for a lot of people, sneaking over to your friend's house to watch MTV. Uh, my house, we were, I guess, just hooligans, because I remember watching as a full family, like, watching A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila and, like, sitting with their ah. parents. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it it truly told you, like, what was cool, what wasn't cool, what was a pop book, what wasn't. I mean, and you got you got to see New York, and New York seemed like so cool. I mean, New York is so cool, but like, I wish that I could have sat in that studio audience. I wish I could have been outside screaming at the window, trying to get into the studio audience. That was just a um, a wonderful kind of. I'm sure there was a lot of problematic stuff, but of course. But like, oh, I'm sure. At the same time, there is like something pure about it too, compared to some other things that kids deal with now, you know, we have so, we have so much access and so many pathways and so many avenues now that it's like, it's, it's, um, 
it's it's overwhelming and this I don't know, MTV TRL strangely felt kind of pure when you, in some ways. In some ways, yeah, because it was curated. Whereas now, if you're scrolling through a TikTok or an Instagram, you are seeing an individual person sharing something that they have made. So it's like very direct consumer-y. Yeah. And with TRL, you had at least like a little bit of a backup to be like, oh, maybe I don't like 98 Degrees but I'm not looking directly at Nick Lachey singing a song on my phone. I think that this is a big conversation that I'm going to see if I can find the words to not ramble too much about it. But when you say curated, it is, it is such an interesting thing now, now that like in, in, I always talk about how we won't necessarily, it's, it's becoming increasingly rare to have the like Britney Spears level of fame. Yes. For any sort of pop star anymore, because now it's become so diversified in options. Um, whereas before, there was only five or six people that we were being fed that were curated and we were told to like. And now we have so many options and so many people that we can stand, which is great. I, I am in support of there being more artists for people to connect to. But I think when it comes to, uh, that that um what's the word uh household name and you know that to me feels like we're slightly farther away from that era of kind of major massive pop stars every once in a while we get one you know olivia rodrigo became one in the kind of the new age of where we're at but um i think it's interesting to see how how pop stars find their their magnitude um now and i think maybe it's also is kind of cool that it is in more of the hands of the consumer than it is out of the the labels you know yeah so there's there's a lot of cool things about it uh but trl is why i am the way i am (laughs) i love that god what a good time for music just Max yeah. Martin everywhere. Max Martin. Yes. Shout out to Max if he's listening. If you're listening, Max, <laughs> big fan. Huge. Huge fan. Yes. No, yeah, it, it, it is interesting because like, like we won't see another Taylor Swift. Regardless of her talent, which is like insurmountable, like there just won't be an artist like that because of the way that we consume media. Yeah. I, I'm curious to watch Olivia Rodrigo's career to see how sustainable and where it goes. Um, you know, Britney was, but you also, what's interesting is that Britney's peak really was only from, was only maybe like four or five years. And then, you know, she went through some of her issues. And then I don't, you know, this, the second chapter of Britney's career while I love circus and, and glory and, you know, femme fatale, like, and there was definitely, we, we hold on tight to anything we can as a Britney fan. Um, but, but I think a lot of people would say that that's not like peak Britney. Peak Britney is the baby warmer time. Oops. Slave, you know, um, time. And that, that period of time where she really built up her, like, her legacy yeah 
was really just in those like four or five years. And that's fascinating. So, but she's been around for a long time. And then you have Taylor Swift who has um, just had such an incredible career and has been at the top for a very long time for, I guess what 1999 was 2014, it's eight years read, um, it was 2012, like has been probably top, top for the last 12 years. Um, yeah. Which is insane. So I'm just curious, like the length of, of, of career and fame and zeitgeist and people talking like what the sustainability is for like some of, of, of pop stars these days. Like I wouldn't even say that. I don't know. Like, I'm curious, like who do you think, like, do you think Dua Lipa is at any sort of like top tier level? Like, she's iconic but like do you where do you think she fits in like trl language like who do you think is is the equivalent i don't i love dua i think future nostalgia is an incredible album when i think of influential artists that are shaping the the time period i don't think of her first yeah i think of I mean, it might just be getting older. Like I, I think of Miley, I think of Taylor, I think Billie Eilish a lot. I don't Gaga. know for some reason. I Dua seems like an outlier to me. Something about Dua feels created by a machine to me. Would you say she's like the Christina Milian of? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and- <laughs> I'm gonna get. Sick. I love People Christina Milian. So I love Christina Milian, but I, I, I love to sometimes like. I always like to think that <laughs> she might this be the Jessica so Simpson. Rude. Maybe she's the Jessica Simpson. Maybe she's the Mandy Moore. I don't know. I'm trying to think about what is she the of. Like, is she the Maya? No, because I mean, like, what is she? Yeah. Like- would she be asked to do? I think Dua definitely would be asked to do Lady Marmalade if it were happening now. Ooh, who's in your Lady Marmalade? My Lady Marmalade would be Kelly Clarkson. Uh-huh. Tori Kelly. Okay. JoJo. All right. And Jasmine Sullivan. Ooh. Nobody's going to let us breathe. That would break I everybody. Mean, hello? We would turn hello? into one singular endorphin and die. Hello? Like, how crazy insane would that be? And all artists that, like, share well, you know? Everybody I, could be on a good song together. I, just saying that, I, I'm, I, it's like, it's like dreaming it and then waking up and being sad that it didn't happen. Like, I'm sad that that's not real. Yeah, like, when Kelly's covers album comes out, I hope that's there. Kelly's people, if you're listening, um, just add that in real fast. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe Missy Elliott can get, can coordinate it again. She coordinated last time. She can coordinate it again. I believe in all things Missy Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nothing made me happier when she, than when she liked one of my tweets one time. (gasps) And I was like, I think I, I don't need to be on Twitter anymore. You've made it. That's all that mattered. Get off Twitter. Brittany follows me on Twitter and that, and by, you know, Brittany, her team does. Yeah, but you know, but through extensions. Yeah. <laughs> this is literally 30 minutes of me talking about Britney. And I am a musical theater writer, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey. Uh, this is 10 minutes. Talk to me about musical theater. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, 
tick tick boom that's uh-huh. just it's it's how it is as a musical theater writer it's how it is the struggle can be hard but you just keep persisting and writing more and more things <laughs> i think that was my favorite movie musical that's made been made in our like lifetime yeah it, it hurt it was so good and it hurt um because it just it felt so real to, to how it is you know you spend so much time working on a show and it and sometimes a lot of times people will be like i love it it's great and can't wait to see what you do next and it's like but can we produce this show first can we do this <laughs> can we get so this I can, like, somewhere my, i would like to pay my bills with this so that the yeah. next one you know and and that's actually something you know that is i'm going to segue that i'm going to pick up what you just said and say that I'm trying to figure out how we as musical theater writers can monetize our lives more because we do so much and we contribute so much. And, and there are so many of us who are, are working on shows that um, may not make it to Broadway, but do other things. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm right now, I'm really trying to, uh, find ways that I can monetize my life and then share that knowledge with others so that people can um, can can ha- be a working class musical theater writer and not feel like, oh, I need to work on a show for 10 years and then maybe get a paycheck, you know? Yeah, I think that's kind of across the board for all creators. It's like with social media, you have this great outlet, right? Where you can share what you're creating so people see it and know who you are. That's a lot of work that you are putting out for free. Mm-hmm. So then when you take a step back and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I've written six, 60 songs this year that I've put out on TikTok. I haven't made a single dollar. That's a lot of output for nothing to come in and refill your tank. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of that weird balance of finding a way to get known and to f- have people find you who can give you money and all that jazz, but also protecting yourself and your craft and what you create and knowing what your value is so that it's not strange to ask for money for it because we're in this age where it's free or $10 a month to listen to everything for free. So people are not used to spending money on art. Yeah. I, I love streaming. I think access is amazing. It's done so much for, for creativity. I want to see it financially be a good model for creators. And there's, that's a big, it's a big conversation. It's a big topic and I'm, I'm following along and I'm, I'm, trying to do my part as well yeah absolutely well joey as we reach the end of the podcast i ask this of all of my guests do you have any questions for me uh what drink would you like to have with one of the spider man boys tom holland andrew garfield or um toby mcguire mm-hmm. that's his name wait that toby mcguire that's his name yeah yeah if I'm picking one of them, I think I'm going to pick Andrew Garfield. Okay. Seems very in, in tune with his feelings. Um, 
I think we just have like a sensible tea, like a hot tea. Ooh, you're not going to do a cocktail. You're going to do a tea. Well, I don't drink anymore. Oh, okay. But yeah, just like a sensible tea, like a nice cozy moment. I feel like a big blanket, but I'm like naked under the blanket, you know, where you like drape it correctly. Show a shoulder. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I have this warm tea, Andrew. Um, and he brings How do you take your me. tea? Uh, ooh. It's going to be Earl Grey with some milk because he's British, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to drink it the, the English way to appeal to his culture so that we can meet in the middle as I sit in his beautiful home that's on a mountain, I'm guessing. Um, dreaming of our life together. <laughs> honestly, the the visual is just getting more and more filled in. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, so it's all about the details. When you this write. is gonna be this is gonna be your dream that you're gonna be sad to wake up to not being uh, in fruition. I know. When I wake up in my apartment there. in Harlem, like, where, why am I not with Andrew Garfield? What is going on? Yeah, I I I uh, have a very funny selfie with Andrew Garfield actually now that I think about it wow. I like he was doing um I think he was actually for the red carpet for Amazing Spider-Man and I was walking by and was in New York and I was like I saw him and I literally just was like hey <laughs> and then kept walking just take <sighs> like it a crazy all back person. to you feeling like you can go backstage wherever you want to go I feel very entitled apparently <laughs> <laughs> I feel one like one of them exactly so yeah, it's the yeah. Best but um, I'm excited for your your tea date and your blanket Thank you. Thank with you so Andrew much. Garfield. <laughs> That's all I want out of 2022. You got time. <laughs> I got time. I got time. Well, Joey, where can the children find you? They can find me on Instagram, TikTok at Joey Contreras, website JoeyContreras.com, on Spotify, Apple Music. And uh, slide into my DMs and um, tell me what kind of content you want. Uh, not in a dirty way, but <laughs> in a musical way. <laughs> in a nice musical way. Listen to In Pieces. Listen yes, to listen. Mul- you have multiple albums. Yeah, I have multiple albums. Um, and uh, if you are interested in licensing in pieces and pieces is now available for licensing so if you uh, go to college and you want to do a production of in pieces let your department heads know if you have a small theater company or um, any of that you know you can reach out and produce your own production of in pieces which is really exciting we've been doing productions um, all over the world there's one that's happening in Australia second one happening in Australia soon and uh, another one in Singapore is happening which is crazy and yeah, so it's been really, it's been an international sensation. Look at it um, go. No, but it's been really amazing to see. And, and we're also working on uh, bringing a, a production, hopefully, to New York. So that'll be really exciting. That is wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful little chat. Yeah, it's so good to, to talk to you. And until next time, y'all. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.